Town Bank Mortgage, NMLS number 512138, is an equal housing lender. This podcast is for informational purposes only. And now, the man born with a 5 o'clock shadow and with the NMLS number 2028201. He is a gentleman. He is a scholar. He is... Tyler Crawley. Welcome, everyone, to the Friday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am the aforementioned host of this podcast, Tyler Crawley. And we got some big things happening. We got big things to talk about. We got big things happening with markets and mortgages. Or I don't know if they're big things, but they're they're things that need to be addressed. Well, kind of. Uh, and we're going to get to all of it here on this Friday edition of the show. So the last show I mentioned that I was changing up uh, my schedule. Not really, but like officially. Because anyone who listens to this podcast knows that best case scenario, I probably did four shows a week. Most likely it was three. I would do like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I probably wouldn't do a Friday or Monday. So I was doing three shows a week. I was claiming it was a five day a week podcast and it just never happened. Right. I mean, just things are different. I have a day job and things get in the way. I get invited to go out to dinner with friends. Uh, something work related comes up and it, I couldn't do the show. Just, you know, whatever's happening. And so I thought, what if I just do it three days a week? So that's what we're doing. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And now I've added another component because one of the things I've always talked about here, as I've mentioned many a times, I do miss sort of the live aspect of broadcasting. I did it for 10 years and now podcasting I love, but I do miss kind of the live element. And so I've decided that on the mornings where I don't do a podcast, that would be Tuesday and Thursday, that when there are days when there's data, so I'm not just going to do the show just to do it. Uh, that was always a philosophy I had on my radio show, which was I would never bring on a guest just to fill time. Like I wouldn't just bring someone on just to talk about whatever. Cause then yeah, I didn't have anything to talk about or I was being lazy or whatever. There's, I always had to have a reason to have a guest on. Um, it's why I never had kind of frequent guests. I never ever had like a weekly appearance of someone because after a while it gets kind of stale. And so I never want to just do a show because I have to do one. And maybe that's why I never did five shows. There were some days where I'm like, there's really nothing going on. Why am I going to do a podcast? Uh, that was not the case today. <laughs> Probably could have done one yesterday and today uh, because there is so much that is going on. So I'm doing the three days uh, a week. So Monday morning, Wednesday morning and Friday morning, a podcast will be available for you when you wake up. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'll do a live show, usually around 8.30, because what I'm doing with the live show, and I haven't really decided the format yet, if I'm going to be on Facebook or I think Twitter, I kind of like Twitter because I can use the same setup that I have and just put it on Twitter, is we'll talk about the data that's immediately coming out. So we'll get kind of a first look at the data, and then you know we'll get into more detail on the podcast the next day. So it's like first look. And then a detailed dive um, the next morning on the podcast. And so, like I said, I was, it was funny. I was looking at next week and we actually are getting data on Tuesday, but it's not till 10 a.m. So I, I have to go into work <laughs> before 10. So I won't be able to do a show Tuesday, but Thursday we will be able to do one. And it'll just be as the data is available today. Or I should say Thursday would have been a great show 
because there was so much that came out Thursday morning. And let's let's start there, shall we? Because Thursday was a very busy morning. At 8.30, we got housing data, we got inflation data, and we got job data. Jobs, not just one job, jobs data. <laughs> Jobless claims to be exact. But because this is a markets and mortgages podcast, let's start with the housing data. So we get, once a month, we get the res- new residential construction data from the Census Bureau. It looks at permits, starts, and completions. And this is the first report that we've got for 2023. We know the ending of 22 was not great. However, we've got some good data for the beginning of the year, whether it's rate lock data, whether it's mortgage demand data, home builder confidence, we're gonna get to that in a second. It's all been pretty good. So I was optimistic going into this report and I was led astray (laughs) because it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't that great. It it, it really wasn't. Uh, building permits, seasonally adjusted rate of 1.339. I think that's trillion, right? Yeah, I think so. I think it's 1.339 trillion. Or, no, no, I'm sorry. It's one point. I really should know what that is. <laughs> Shouldn't I know what that number is? I've, I didn't I didn't put it next to any of them. So I actually don't have, I can never remember if it's trillion or billion because this is an um, a uh, annual rate. So I'm, I'm going to assume it's, is it million? Not million makes, <laughs> okay, let's pause for a second. See, I'm not going to restart the show. I could easily be like, wow, Tyler, you sound like a dumbass. I'm not going to re- what here's what I'm thinking. I was thinking retail sales, which we're going to talk about because we got those. I was going over my notes today. And that I believe is in the trillions, I think, or billions. Yeah, I think it's trillions. This is millions. <laughs> we're building a trillion houses. <laughs> oh, uh, see this is why you have to love this program. Here I look like a complete fool. And I am not stopping the tape. I'm, we're going to run with it. We're going to do it. So it's 1.339 million. That's that's where we are. That's that's pretty good. That's a good building number. Uh, that was up 0.1% from December. However, it is down a whopping 27.3% when compared to the same time last year. Housing starts... They were at a seasonally adjusted rate of 1.31 million. There we go. That was down 4.5% from December and is now down 21.4%. This is, you know, we've gotten kind of used to this building permits, housing starts, construction is slowed, builder confidence has been a problem. Those numbers have been down. However, completions has always been the bright spot and it was once again. Housing completions were up to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.4%. Zero six million. That is up from there's up one percent from December, and it's actually up twelve point eight percent from where we were at the same time last year. And if you remember last year at this time, the reason why completions were so low was um, finding the material to be able to actually finish the homes. That was why completions really fell off, and the reasons why completion continues to be in the green and the positive is because they're finally finishing all these houses they started probably over a year ago. But here's why this report was was kind of 
crappy is that economists had projected that building permits would jump by 1%. They only were up 0.1%. And that starts would fall by 1%. They fell by 4.5%. So that those are pretty big misses. I mean, we're talking they over-exaggerated building permits by a tenfold. And they over-predicted um, or under-predicted by 45 You know, 4.5%. They projected 1%. And it was supposed to increase. Is this really the start of the show? Maybe I should do a show every week. Struggling here. So, um, yeah, that was kind of a big miss there. That was disappointing because I was hoping to see some good numbers, especially with builder confidence, which we'll get to here in a second. Not surprising, the South continues to remain on top in every single category, and it's not even really close. Uh, The South represented 57% of all building permits, 58% of all housing starts, and 53% of housing completions. So that this one region is making up over 50% of all these categories, almost 60% in, in two of the cases. And you know it's pretty amazing because building's pretty hot where I am in southeastern North Carolina, but you know I can see it's somewhat slowed. And I just think, like, what is happening in the North, for example? So the Northeast, and just to give you the other side of the coin, the Northeast made up 8% of building permits, 9% of housing starts, and 8% of housing completions. I mean, that's crazy, right? I mean, that, that means the South is doing pretty much about seven times the volume that the Northeast is seeing. And I get it. There's more land down here. It makes sense. People are moving down here, but it's crazy that we've seen things slow down on the building front here. I can't, I can't can't even imagine what it is in the Northeast. Like it just, it's, it's kind of mind blowing. So that was the housing data. Wasn't great, but what made it even worse is the inflation data that we got. This is of course the producer price index, different from the CPI, of course, CPI consumer price index. This is what the producers pay. And it's important to watch the PPI because the PPI directly impacts the CPI. If the producers are paying more money, then when they finish a product, they usually maybe not initially, but will eventually pass it on to the consumer. And if you go back and because I was looking at the data, uh, just sort of reminding myself of where these two numbers were, it was pretty crazy. The PPI skyrocketed first and then the CPI followed. And so there was some optimism heading into this report. And once again, led astray because that did not happen. Yes, it slowed the year over year total. It slowed but not what economists were projecting. So the producer price index for final demand increased 6% year over year, which was down. It was down 0.5%. So it was 6.5% in December, and it was the lowest reading since July 2021. So yes, it slowed, and that's half a point. I mean, that's that's good. Month over month, producer prices were up 0.7%. From December, that was 
well above the 0.2% drop that we saw in December. So almost a full point difference month over month. And in fact, it was the biggest monthly jump since June. So here is why this report was looked at so negatively. Because once again, you know, we're lowest level since July 2021, 6%. That's actually below where CPI is. CPI is at 6.2. Or no, I'm sorry, 6.4. So wow, it's great. You know, it's it's under that. Here's why it's a problem. Economists thought that we were only going to see a 0.4% increase month over month and would have led to a year-over-year slowdown to 5.4%. That's kind of where everyone's hopes were dashed because everyone wanted to see 5.4%. Because that would have been an almost full point drop from where we were last month. And when showed us that inflation continues to fall, this did not meet expectations. But here's the good news. You know me. I'm all about the silver lining. Producer prices fell under the rate of consumer prices for the first time since December 2020 when this thing really took off. That's when producer prices really just went to the, to, you know, to the ceiling and then consumer prices followed. So it is good. Once again, it is good that PPI fell under CPI, we are moving in the right direction, but not as quickly as we would have liked. So two, this all happened at 8.30. And then we got jobless claims. The only silver lining of Thursday morning, jobless claims actually were better than economists were predicting. So basically economists did not have a good morning. They got every single thing wrong. Uh, Initial claims actually fell just a little bit, to 194,000. Economists thought it was going to rise to 200,000. So not huge numbers here, but a win's a win, and we will take it. Continuing claims jumped to 1.696 million for the week ending February the 4th, and that was an increase of 16,000, slightly higher than economists' projections of 1.695 million. And One of the big reasons for the drop um, was California. Almost 4,000 fewer claims. Pennsylvania, uh, about 2,600. And Illinois, just over 1,900 fewer claims. So kind of across the board. I mean, we got Northeast, kind of middle of the country there with regards to Illinois. And then we got California all the way over on the West, all seeing drops. Proving, once again that these, this labor market is broad-based, that everyone is not one area of the country. And then, of course, it was Thursday, so we got mortgage rate data. Uh, for the second week in a row, mortgage rates increased. This, of course, happening after we hit a four-month low, 6.09%. This data, according to Freddie Mac, they had the 30-year fixed average at 632 percent that was a 20 basis point jump week over week now 240 basis points higher than we were one year ago the 15 year averaged 5.51 percent for the week uh, up 16 basis points from last week and up 236 basis points from one year ago so yeah i mean now mortgage rates according to freddie mac are up what is that 
from 6.09%, trying to do the math in my head, 23 basis points is, no, 20, yeah, 23, yeah, I was right. <laughs> Don't second guess yourself, Tyler, uh, in just two weeks. So that is a little disappointing, but not unexpected with the data that we've been seeing, with the inflation data, the jobs data. It's not all of that surprising, like I said. So this is all what happened on Thursday. Now let's get to what happened on Wednesday, right? Am I doing that, am I doing that right? No, I'm, yeah, Wednesday. <laughs> See, now I'm trying to figure out when this data comes out. We got retail sales. And this is where I was thinking like the billion and the trillion and trying to wrap my head around things. Um, so what happened with retail sales is they were expecting a jump from the month prior. We had kind of a bad December we were expecting a jump this January, but we weren't expecting it to be this big. So advanced estimates of U.S. retail and food service sales for January jumped 3% to $697 billion. That's the billion I was talking about earlier. I was getting a little, a little confused there. <laughs> <laughs> with the billions and the millions and everything else. Uh, this is up big from the 1.1% decline in December. I mean, so that's that's over a four-point spread between what happened in December and what happened in January. It is the biggest jump that we have seen since January 2022, which is why I think some people, because a lot of people were surprised by this number. And I think one of the reasons why is because they're saying, wait, the last time we saw a big jump like this was last January. So maybe there's something in the data, the seasonal adjustments that they make. That's why we always say, you know, seasonally adjusted, you know, annual rate, whatever. They take into account certain factors for what's happening seasonally. Hence, seasonally adjusted. And some are wondering if maybe there's something wrong about January. They're just, they're not doing something that they're supposed to be doing because it just seems kind of weird that we get this big jump in January, and the last time we saw a jump this big was the last January. So some were wondering, eh, maybe there's something going on with the numbers here. Uh, retail sales were up, speaking of last year, 6.4% where we were last year, which is pretty crazy, right? Because that's like the inflation rate. So retail sales are actually flat. <laughs> they are flat. So no change, because 6.4%, that's the inflation rate. That's where we were last time. So actually... Retail sales were were flat. Uh, this was a big beat, not only from where we were last month, um, but just overall. The economists were projecting a 1.6% increase from December. So this was just a beat across the board. So where were we seeing the biggest jumps? Well, here's some good news. If you're someone that likes to, I was trying to think if there was a name for it. Because I remember I was watching Mad Men one time and they were talking about, you know, department stores in the 60s. I think it was the 60s and 70s. It was really kind of catching on where people were going shopping and then getting lunch. I think that's when it was happening. It was that was glamorous. You know, you go shopping and then, you'd, you know, you eat somewhere in a department store uh, and, you know, fancy department stores had little cafes where you could do that. Well, that's coming back. You know, it's 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 back in vogue. I guess we could say department stores. <laughs> saw a 17.5% increase in January from December. So I'm not sure what happened. People just weren't 
weren't going to the department stores. Um, and then restaurants and bars were number two with a 7.2% increase. And then auto dealers were up 6.4%. Maybe people were seeing the car prices were not as insane as they were a year ago and finally decided to maybe take advantage of the, you know, New Year deals that you always see at dealerships. Uh, year over year, restaurants and bars were by far the biggest gainer, up 25%, followed by sporting goods stores were up 6.9%, and clothing stores were up 6.3%. Now, not one category was in the red from December to January, and only one category was in the red when it came to year over year, and that was electronic stores. I guess we don't need to buy new computers anymore now that we're going back to the office. We don't need those, you know, we're not stuck at home anymore. And so I guess we're not buying uh, new electronics from uh, electronic stores. They fell 6.3% despite the fact that there was a 3.5% increase in January. And you know, what's the problem with these numbers is retail sales being hotter than expected tell us that the consumer is out there buying stuff, even with inflation. And so, you know, you you had a tight labor market, inflation kind of slowing, um, but not as fast as we would like. It's, it's slowing its slowdown. And then you get really hot retail numbers. That's a recipe for Jerome Powell to go, hmm, I actually thought that that, with all the other data, and then this on top of it, that Jerome Powell's got to go, okay, that's it. You know, I was trying to help you guys out, but you're just you're, you're just not going to cool this economy off. So you know what? 50 basis point hike. I don't know. That, that was my initial thought, and I got the receipts. <laughs> I can show you my tweets uh, not long after this. I, it's possible. We'll see what happens. Let's see if um, he throws any hints out there that we could see a bigger rate hike with these jobs numbers, retail numbers, even with the inflation. Because what Jerome Powell does not want is the wage, what is it? It's the wage price spiral where companies start raising wages so people can afford the goods. And because they're raising wages, they have to raise the price of their goods. And then you got to raise wages to pay for the goods. And <laughs> it's, it's, a very, it's a death spiral. It's not good. And so Powell wants everyone to, hey, what's going on with the retail spending? <laughs> you guys need to stop spending. And a lot of people are going to say, well, Tyler, credit's up. So maybe it's not people having more money, but they're spending. They're spending money. And that's going to keep the economy because no one wants to say it. But you got to, I mean, what Jerome Powell's trying to do is get people fired. <laughs> and it sucks to say, but that's what he's doing. He needs to cool the labor market off and people are spending. It's going to create jobs and maintain jobs. We need spending to fall. We need the labor market to cool off. That will pull down inflation. All right, before we go, we got to talk home builder confidence because this was a pretty damn good report. Um, home Builder Confidence from the National Association of Home Builders reported the biggest jump in... Now, here's the thing. I messed this up, and I will admit this. So I was looking at the tables, that the historic tables for the HMI index. That's the... Um, what is it? The housing market index, which looks at home builder confidence. 
And I thought that the last time we saw a jump this big was 2001. We did see a jump that big from November to December in 2001. There was also a seven point jump in 2013. So I actually messed that up. I, you know, I did a podcast at work and I said that it was the biggest jump in 20 years. It was not the biggest jump in 20 years. It was the biggest jump in 10 years. So I doubled that, unfortunately. Uh, this is the biggest jump that we had seen in 10 years. A seven-point increase in February. The home builder's confidence is now sitting at 42. And like I said, that last time we saw a reading or a jump that big, um, it was in 2013. And this is now the highest reading for the index since September. Now, despite the big increase, home builder confidence is still down half, basically. It's down 41 points from where it was the same time last year. And this was a big beat to the upside. Economists thought the index was going to increase to 37. It jumped to 42. So economists are not having a good week. They were way off on this one as well. And here's something that actually I think is pretty great about this report. And now I, I do also want to point out this report also will probably make Jerome Powell want to raise interest rates higher because he wants the housing market to stay kind of in a cooler place. He doesn't want the housing market roaring back. And, you know, we're seeing home builder confidence jump by a, a decade, you know, how do you, how do I phrase that? It's the biggest jump we've seen in a decade. <laughs> um, you know, we're seeing mortgage demand, huge jumps, rate lock volume, huge jumps. So Powell's not, not going to like this. He doesn't want to see this. Someone in the business, I'm pretty happy about this, but he doesn't want to see this. But here's something that's a good takeaway. For the first time since the pandemic, confidence in the future, and I'm talking like six months in the future, surpassed current confidence. Single family sales in the next six months reported an 11 point jump to 48, which just overtook current confidence in single family sales, which jumped six points to 46. So for the entire pandemic, people were feeling better about the housing market now than they were in six months from now. This is the first time we've seen a reading where people are like, the housing market's going to be better six months from now than it is right now. That's a good sign. That is dead. Because people aren't saying the housing market's great now. They're saying it's going to be, well, not great, but better than where it is right now. Uh, the traffic of prospective buyers, we're up six points to 29. So it's still kind of a, a low reading there. And again, what do you think? Which region saw or took the number one spot in the second month of 2023? That's right. The Northeast. <laughs> no, it really was. It was not the South. I, I thought it would be the South. Uh, for the first time since October, the Northeast builders were the most confident after a 12-point jump. Maybe the weather has them feeling pretty confident to 47. 47 in February. The South was a close second. They were at 45 after a six-point increase. Uh, West was up eight points to 27 and uh, the Midwest was up um, four points to 36. Uh, Robert Dietz, chief economist at the National Association or National Association of Home Builders. There we go. Noted that falling rates can have quite an impact on buyer demand, saying in a statement with the largest monthly increase for builder sentiment 
Since June 2013, the HMI indicates that incremental gains for housing affordability have the ability to price in buyers to the market. The nation continues to face a sizable housing shortage that can only be closed by building more affordable, attainable housing. I'm all for that, 100%. But this week, with the data, we got maybe a little too big of a jump for homebuilder confidence. Retail sales, much hotter than expected. Jobless claims did not increase. Inflation data not slowing as fast as we would like. And housing data being a little underwhelming. All of this points to Jerome Powell wanting to not only continue the the pace, but maybe increase it. That's my prediction. We'll see what happens next week. We got some data. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about what's coming up next week um, on Monday's show. But yeah, I mean, it's it's this was not a good ending to the week. I will say this. <laughs> if you're someone who wants to see rates low, which I am, you know, I'm I'm in the mortgage business. I want to see rates lower. I don't think it's going to happen. Not with this data that we are seeing right now, especially the inflation data. Not good. That is not good at all. Um, all right. I think we're, we'll take a little drink here. Oh, that was, that was a lot of talking. I got I gotta have like a little commercial break now that I'm doing a 30 minute podcast, like 20 minutes, you can do it. But I think I may have to do like a little like minute interlude or intermission, intermission. I think that's what I was going for uh, to keep my voice as golden as it needs to be. So, all right, you guys enjoy your weekend. We'll see you back here Monday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait 